Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Well, we're going to read the traditional Palm Sunday or triumphal entry sermon today or, or passage. We're going to read from Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 11, verses. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. Now, you can also find this story. It's one of the few stories that appears in all four gospels. And it's in, uh, you can read in Matthew chapter 21, we're going to read Mark 11, Luke 19, or you could also look at a very shortened version in John chapter 12. Each story or each writer gives us a little bit more insight into some other details that maybe the other doesn't. Uh, but we're going to go with Mark, we're going to pull a couple things maybe from some other, other writers, just, uh, just for a little extra input. But the title of today's message is, The Lord Needs You. And when we think about Jesus, or we think about the Lord, we think that Jesus has no needs, right? What would Jesus need? Jesus has everything. And for what reason would he need me? And for what reason would he need you? Why would the God that created the universe, that breathed life into this world, into man, that created, provided, did everything, why would he have any needs? Well, the great thing about having a relationship with Jesus is that he chooses and wants to co-labor with us. He chooses to do business with us. And there's things that will become and remain unfulfilled unless we walk in the calling that he's called us into. And so today, while the, the hero of the story is obviously Jesus, everything Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything New Testament points to Jesus. Jesus is the central figure of the entire Bible. But today, I want to look at the disciples and the donkey. Now, you might want to ask your neighbor, which one are you? Are you a disciple? Or are you a donkey? Or maybe you're a donkey that became a disciple. Maybe you're a disciple that's still wallowing around like a donkey. I don't know. Regardless of whether you're a disciple, whether you're a donkey right now, the Lord needs you. And that's the word I want you to take home today. The Lord needs you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He has an assignment for you. He has people that you need to reach that will remain unreached until you fulfill that call on your life. And so I want to... I think this message today is really for this body. And as I read the story, it just resonated with, with really what we do here at City Reach. But uh, it could be applicable to anybody. So if you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, glad to have you with us today. But we really want to just kind of dive into this. And I, I want to just talk about what the disciples did in this story. And also that this, this donkey that had an unfulfilled destiny that became fulfilled. And so let's just, as we read through that, ask the Holy Spirit to open this up to us. Father, I ask that you would take this word and bring it home. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem... Now, let me just pause there a minute. Jesus had remained away from Jerusalem. He, he He had stayed away for a while. People, if you even look in John chapter 6... They were trying to make him king. 
They were trying to make him king, but it wasn't his time yet. So now, now's the time. Now's the time that he enters Jerusalem. Now's the time that he's going to basically say, hey, I'm the guy. I'm the king. I'm the Messiah you've been waiting for. So he's remained outside of the city for a while, but now it's the day of Passover. So Passover is one of three main feasts in, in Jewish culture that everyone that was able would converge on Jerusalem at that time. You had Passover, you had Pentecost, and Tabernacle. So three times a year, the city is just packed with people, multitudes of people. So it says, when Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, or the Lord has need of him, or the Lord has need of her, or better yet, the Lord has need of me. The Lord has need of you. And immediately, he will send it here. Next slide. So this is, a, this is a prophetic word. So why does Jesus need this donkey? Why does Jesus say, hey, the Lord has need of it? Because 500 plus years ago, Zechariah gave a prophetic word about this very day. And he described it this way, and Jesus knew about it. And Jesus knew that as he entered, he would enter on not only a donkey, but the foal of a donkey, the, a, a donkey's colt. And he would ride into Jerusalem. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So every prophecy about Jesus came true. This was just one of hundreds. And Jesus knew that there was a donkey with a destiny that was prophesied about 519 years before, and that he would be riding on this donkey. But this donkey wasn't where they were. Next slide. And it says, So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street. They loosed it, by some, but some who stood by said to them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke uh, to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Verse 8. And many spread their clothes on the road. So as he's coming in, Jesus is riding on this donkey's foal. He's coming in. It's, it's a little donkey. So if you've ever seen those, like, donkey basketball, you guys have seen that? My kids play this donkey basketball in high school. But these wee little donkeys, you know, I would almost imagine his feet might even be dragging the ground. It's a, it's a little donkey. And it says that people spread their cloaks or their clothes on the road in front of him. So this is a way that they show honor and submission to Jesus, their king. And then what's it say? And it says, And others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Did, did you know that there was a certain way that they... Now we know from other stories that this was palm leaves. So that's why we call this Palm Sunday, for you to know. They had a special way that they cut these palm leaves down. Did you guys know that? Now this is, this is really biblical. They went like this. Cut them. You had, you had to see it on Facebook. So part of the uh, Jeremy and Tanya got me a gift for, for uh, officiating their wedding. 
They got me a knife. Now, when I got this knife, I'm like from the old school knife club, and we had to push, and I'm here pushing and pushing, and I cannot get this thing open. And I see other people doing this. I'm like, well, I got a faulty knife. And I'm pushing and pushing. Well, it took Mr. David Smith, Mr. Streetcred himself, to. He's like, dude, you don't take a knife like this to a knife fight. You take, you get, you gotta have, you get this little flick of the wrist here. So I got it down now. So if I was cutting palm leaves in Jerusalem, I got it. You come at me, gotcha. Right? I so, I so wanted to use that in a wedding yesterday when I was talking about the word covenant means to cut, but it just didn't, just didn't seem to go. It says, others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So here's something. We sing this song, Hosanna in the highest. We use the word Hosanna. Hosanna is actually a word that comes from two Hebrew words that are Rasha and Na. It means to save now. So you go to the next slide, you can see that. Next slide. Hosanna comes from two words. It means save now or deliver now or liberate now. So Hebrew, they would say Rasha Na. We say Hosanna or Hosanna. So what these people are doing, they're, 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 they're waving palm tree or palm leaves, which really signify victory and peace and goodwill. They're laying down their cloaks, which is saying, we submit to you, King Jesus. And they're shouting, save now, liberate now, deliver now. But the deliverance that they want is not the deliverance that he's thinking of. See, what they think, they think King Jesus is coming to liberate and deliver them from the Romans. They're looking for a political leader. He's coming as a spiritual leader. They're looking for a political savior, one that's going to overthrow the Romans, reestablish Jerusalem, get, kick the Romans out. And he's coming, and they're saying, save now. And he's saying, I'm going to save you, but not the way that you think. So he's coming as a different type of deliverer than what they're looking for. And less than a week later, the same crowd that's saying, save now, save now, all hail King Jesus, flip and are saying, crucify him. Crucify him. Same people. Don't turn up your nose at him, because how many times has Jesus not delivered the way that you expected him to, and then you flip? Next. So here it is. What they're saying, Psalm 118, verses 24 through 26, it says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, so often we say, we get up in the morning, and what do we say? This is the day that the Lord has made. Or we sing the song. That psalm is actually talking about this day. That day that would happen the week before Jesus would die. He says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, O Lord, O Lord, I pray, send prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that's what these people are chanting. They're chanting Psalm 118. 
So that's the scene. So I kind of want to digress now. I really just, what I want to look at, I want to look at what Jesus' instructions were to the disciples and what the reason was of fulfilling this donkey's destiny. So here's what he said. Go back to verse 2. He says, I want you to, this is the two disciples, he says, I want you to go into the village opposite you. Now, what village is this? This is the village of Bethphage. I'm not even sure I'm saying that right. Bethpage. So Bethpage is only, only found in the Bible three times. It's found three times in all three of these stories, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not found in John's Gospels. It's very close to the city Bethany. So if you remember earlier, we read Bethpage and Bethany. Everybody knows Bethany. Bethany is where Mary, Martha, Lazarus lived. Bethany is where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Everybody knows Bethany. Bethany, Jesus hung out. Jesus had dinner. He, he, he did a lot of stuff in Bethany. Bethpage, nobody even knows about it. It's not even written about. If you look at scholars today in the Bible, they can't even agree on really exactly where it was. They don't know where it was. They don't know much about it. All we know that the name Bethpage, if you know anything about Hebrew, the word Beth means house. So if you have Bethel or Bethel, it means house of God. Bethlehem or Bethlehem, house of bread. Bethpage means house Pages of the unripe fig. So he's saying, I want you to go to the house of the unripe fig. So think about that. So this word that meant unripe fig, it came from a root word that meant to be mentally or spirit, I'm sorry, mentally or physically lethargic. So if you have a fig, what do we do with figs? Eat them, right? I've been to Israel. The figs are amazing. Matter of fact, if our figs are this big, Chris and Malign, their figs are like this big. But here's a house. He says, I want you to go to the village that's the house of the unripe fig. It's something that will eventually get there, but it's not there yet. It's currently mentally slow. It's currently physically slow. It's a little lethargic. It actually meant that word meant to be crude, or rude, what we might call a little rough around the edges. You know anybody that's a little rough around the edges? Maybe you're rough around the edges. I've been rough around the edges. I still have a few rough. My wife would say, there's a few that need sold off. He says, I want you to go to the village. Now, I know this word means across from you, but look at this. I want you to go to the village opposite you. So often when Jesus tells us to go somewhere, we're like, well, I don't want to go to those people. I don't want to go to that street. I don't want to go to that town because they don't look like me. They don't sound like me. They don't act like me. They don't wear the clothes that I wear. They don't listen to the music I listen to. He says, I want you to go to the village of unripe figs opposite you. I want you to go reach somebody that's not like you. They don't look like you, live like you, act like you, smell like you, talk like you. He says, when you get there and when you've entered, you're going to find a cult. What? What's, what how's Jesus describe the cult? He said, this cult, he said, you're going to go there. When you get there, you're going to find a cult that is 
tied. This word means to be bound with chains. It means to be tied up. It's the same word that was used when Jesus on the Sabbath has a woman who is is bent over for 18 years with the spirit of affirmity. He says, should not this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound these 18 years, be loosed? It's the same word that says that's used when Peter was in jail before the, the angel lets him out and frees him in the middle of the night. It says that he was bound in chains between two soldiers. So he says, you're going to go to the town of the upright fig that's opposite you, and you're going to find a colt that is bound that has never been ridden. It's unbroken. It's not trained. It's not been told how to do things like we do them. If you read Matthew's Gospel in Matthew chapter 21, it says that there is a mother and a colt that Jesus sends them to get, and it says they bring both. When I think about this, I think that Jesus is saying, sometimes he's sending you to a place that you don't want to go that's opposite you to get somebody that's bound up. Sometimes that person is in bondage because their mother was in bondage. Because their father was in bondage. They're in generational bondage. That the mother's bound up. The son's bound up. The daughter's bound up. And he's saying, I want you to go to this village. I want you to find a colt that's tied up. One that has never been sat on. Unbroken. Untrained. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, what are you doing? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So here's what Jesus does. He gives the disciples some instructions. Let's go to the next slide. He tells his disciples, he tells them where to go. He tells them what to do. He says, I want you to find a colt that is tied up, that's never been rode upon. He tells them what to do with it. He says, I want you to loose it and bring it to me. And he gives them a what if. He says, if anybody gets in your way, here's what I want you to say to them. I want you to say, the Lord has need of it. But what didn't Jesus do? He didn't explain to them why. He tells them where to go, what to do, how to do it, what to say if they experience opposition, but he doesn't give them a why. See, so often in our walk with the Lord, we get the instructions. He says, I want you to speak to this person. I want you to go here. I want you to do this. And where do we stop at? We stop at the why. Why, God? Tell me. I want to know everything. I want to know how the story ends. I want to know the reason behind the reason. If you read John's Gospel, John chapter 12, verse 16, it says this. It says, at first, Jesus' disciples did not understand. Imagine this. He tells them what to do, but they didn't understand. But after he had been given his glory, they remembered all this, everything that happened exactly as the Scripture said it would. So after Jesus was glorified, the Holy Spirit's given, as it says in John 7, 39, he says the Holy Spirit hadn't been given because Jesus had not been yet glorified. So after Jesus resurrects, after he sends the Holy Spirit, after Jesus has been glorified, all of a sudden the light bulb goes off. The disciples are like, oh, now I get it. But at the moment they obeyed, they didn't get it. Here's the first point I want to tell you if you're a disciple. Your understanding is not a prerequisite for your obedience. 
See, many times when Jesus tells us to do something, we want to have step one, two, three, four, five, and know every reason, every if, and, why, but, how. But sometimes he only gives us, here's what I want you to do, here's what I want you to go, and here's what I want you to say. And you've got to trust him for the why. There will come a day when the why comes, but complete understanding is not a prerequisite for you to obey. It didn't stand in the way of these disciples. They didn't stand there and say, well, I feel like I'm left out. You're leaving me out. No, look what it says. Next slide. It says, so they did what? So they went. It doesn't say they questioned. They, they, it says they went. It says, so they went, and they found the colt tied by the door outside in the street. I love that. Where was the colt? In the street. And they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, hey, what are you doing? Loosen the colt. I got to imagine, <clears throat> if you came to my car lot, you walked in, you got a set of keys, you hopped in, you put, slapped your own tag on the car, and I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I'd say? I'd say, the Lord don't have need of that. The knife has need of that. And to bring that car back here. Now you can imagine. This version says that the bystanders, those that stood by, start questioning. No. What are you doing? What are you doing? Loosen that thing. And what do they do? They followed through completely. It says they spoke exactly what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? It says, they said, the Lord has need of it. It said they spoke exactly what Jesus says. So I think what's interesting, it says, the Lord, the Lord, it actually uses the definite article. It's not just a Lord, some Lord, the Lord of this, the Lord of that. He said, tell them the Lord. And that's important because if you look in Luke chapter 19, it wasn't just the bystanders that were questioning them. It was also the owner of the colt. Look at this. It's the same word. It says, and they were untying the colt. Its owners, same word Lord, Greek word kurios. Its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord, definite article, not a Lord, the Lord has need of it. Here's the point. Just because you're obeying the Lord doesn't mean you're not going to hit some sort of obstacle or some sort of opposition. There's going to be people that don't want you to drag somebody out of addiction. There's going to be people that don't want you pulling somebody up off the street. There's going to be people that don't want you taking a hooker off the corner. See, it doesn't matter if it's a bystander. There's going to be people that are bystanders. What are you taking Susie for? We're, you know, this is her home. It doesn't matter if it's a bystander. It doesn't matter if it's that master, whether that's a physical master or the, or the spiritual master, Satan himself. Because when you say the Lord has need of it, my Bible says that Jesus is seated 
far above all principalities, all powers, all might, all dominion, above every name that is named in this world and the world to come. See, so it doesn't matter who the master is. It doesn't matter who the bystander is. It doesn't matter where they work, where they sleep, what they just did. The Lord has need of them. See, Jesus is looking for some disciples that will release a word in faith into a situation. Too often we take the steps, we go to the city, we lay hands, and we stop short of declaring that person free in Jesus' name. We need to go there, loose some people, say Jesus has need of you, and bring them to Jesus. A word from the Lord released in faith into a situation carries the power and authority to change that situation. If you're a disciple, you have that authority. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 16. He said, I give you the keys. He's not talking about a set of keys. He's talking about your mouth. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be that which is bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall that be which is also loosed in heaven. And I love the New American Standard on this because it's really the only translation that gets it right. It translates, it says, whatever I loose on the earth is whatever has already been loosed in heaven. See, Jesus is sitting up there far above all principality, all power, all dominion, all might. And if it's loosed there, I have the authority and you have the authority to loose it here. And if it's been bound there, you've got the authority to bind it here. And he's saying, I want you to go to that village opposite you. I want you to find a colt that has been tied, that's never been ridden on. I want you to loose it, and I want you to bring it to me. And if you, by the way, and if you encounter some opposition, I want you to say this. Say it. The Lord has need of you. So what'd they do? They brought that colt to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus sat on it. Jesus sat on the colt that had been bound and was unbroken. It's a miracle itself that he was able to sit on a foal that had never been broken. But that's the power of Jesus in a broken life. That's the power of Jesus in somebody that's never had formal Bible college. That's the power of Jesus that never grew up in church. That he can take somebody that's never been rode on, never been broken, never been trained, and boom, in the instant. See, that donkey had a destiny that it didn't know about, the disciples didn't know about it either. And had the disciples not obeyed the word of Jesus and gotten the colt and brought it to him, 
the destiny of that cult never would have been fulfilled. Think about this. So let's just walk through this. Because here's where it all shakes out for City Reach Church. We use unlikely people. Donkeys. <laughs> Take it for what you will. In overlooked places. Bethpage. Unknown city. Overlooked. Never written about. To do extraordinary things. Bring Jesus to the city of Jerusalem. To lay claim to that which Jesus has already paid for. See, when you're going through the streets of Cumberland, don't look at people and say, oh, look at that good-for-nothing addict. Look at that bum sitting on the street with a bottle. I want you to think that there's a donkey that could be a disciple that could bring Jesus to the city. That the instant Jesus comes upon him, in power, that he becomes now a mechanism to bring the very word of God to a city that needs it. To a city that's crying, save us now, save us now, deliver us now. And the person that Jesus uses is the donkey that was bound. See, the same way that donkey had an unfulfilled destiny, so do you. You had a prophetic word written about you by the prophet Isaiah. And that's where I want to close. Isaiah 61. I just love this. It says the Spirit of the Lord. Now you're going to recognize this. This is what Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and following when he came into the temple one day and read from this very passage. And it's like, well, that's about Jesus being anointed. Can I tell you this, that, that Acts 10.38 says how that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. God anointed Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, He that establishes us and anoints us is God. The same God that anointed Jesus is the same God that anoints you. The same power Jesus had to heal the sick is the same power you have. It's His power. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's a slight difference between a captive and a prisoner. A captive is typically a prisoner of war. It's somebody that's put in prison or behind bars against their will. A prisoner is somebody you probably more identify with. You went to jail for what you did. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? So some people were in prison because they were taken captive. Other people were in prison because they deserved it. Jesus says, I want you to free them both. I want you to heal the brokenhearted. In Luke, he says, I want you to give sight to the blind eyes. I want you to free the prisoner, free the, free the captive. Why? So the, to the disciple, to the disciple anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is your destiny. 
In verse 3 and 4, here's the destiny of the person that was heartbroken, that was captive, that was prisoner. It says they. They will be called oaks of righteousness, which means that they are planted. Remember last week we talked about being established in righteousness. He said the one that you deliver will be like an oak tree in their righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Who rebuilds and who renews? The brokenhearted, the prisoner, the captive, the blind, the poor. That's a prophetic word for today. But if you don't listen to what God's telling you to do, there could be somebody, you don't know who that next person that you're going to free, what they're going to end up doing for the kingdom. You don't know. And you don't have to. Because Jesus does. Jesus is the one saying, I need her. I need him. I need them. I need that family. I need that person in the school system. I need that lady in the hospital. I need that mom over here. Our job's not to pick. Our job is to go and release and speak freedom and bring them to Jesus. And then Jesus comes upon them and they take Jesus to the rest of the city. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? All right, let me close. Look at this. Jesus not only wants to free you, he wants to use you to bring the good news to somebody else. See, it's great to get free. Everybody wants free. But Jesus has a plan for you beyond your freedom. He wants to redeem everything that the enemy stole and flip it around and use it against the enemy. That whole thing, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. He redeems all that. He uses all that. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. I want to sing, No Longer a Slave. We'll just close with this. City Reach, using unlikely people in overlooked places to do extraordinary things to lay claim for that which Jesus has already paid for. Don't ever think that you don't qualify to be used to Jesus. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't care what you were bound up to. He doesn't care if it was several generations of bondage. He doesn't care that you don't have proper training. When He comes upon you, He can use you. He can use you to bring the Word of God to a lost and dying world. If you don't know Jesus today, there's no better day than today. Maybe you need saved. Maybe you need delivered. If you need Jesus, it's really simple. The Bible says we just got to put our faith and trust in Him. He's already done all the work. He's done the heavy lifting. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't know that your sins are forgiven, you just say, Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. 
and I receive by faith your payment for my sin. I believe you died for me, rose again the third day. God says, you're now a child of God. So if you, if you made that decision today, love to pray with you, just confirm it with you. If you're here today, you might be a disciple that's still got struggling with a few things. You might have a few things that you're like, you know, I just don't know if God can use me because I'm still stuck in some stuff. God will take care of that. So we want to pray for that too. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would draw whoever needs drawn, fix whatever needs fixed, and restore what needs restored in Jesus' name.